The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Welcome in. It is our host NFL draft, Stacking the Box. Without our good friend Matt Berteram, we apologize in advance, but Berteram has earned some vacation time with the one and only Actually, Verderam's boss, one of them. We Verderam needs many bosses. Josh Hill, our NFL superstar, editor, dominator, fan side. Ben Heisler will be coming along at 11.30. Happy post-draft to you, Hill. Uh, we're going to do a Bucks versus Bears because you're a huge Bucks guy and I'm a Bears guy, and I love the Bears draft, even though very few people do, apparently. Uh, but, hey, let's, uh, let's throw some flowers to start the show here, Hill, today. Who won – the 2022 NFL draft. Go for it. Well, uh, when we were on the draft show, the live draft show on Thursday, the Philadelphia Eagles had just traded for A.J. Brown. And I said it then, and I'm going to say it again now, and I'm going to keep saying it. That was the first, the best first-round draft pick anybody made. I mean, they drafted A.J. Brown, essentially. And now they have him. They've got Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts. They're going to have that whole offense cooking Dallas Goddard is there. You got Miles Sanders. You got all this going on. And that's the completion of whatever they were trying to do last year and unlocking Jalen Hurts. That was the most important draft pick that they made. And it wasn't even a draft pick. But then you look at the rest of the class, you know, Jordan Davis, some of the other guys that they added. I think the Eagles are in a very good position. And you look at the rest of the NFC East, the Cowboys, they're not doing so hot. You never know how that Mike McCarthy experience is going to go. The Commanders. I mean, Carson Wentz, does that really strike fear into you? And then you've got the Giants, who I think also had a good draft class, but they're a couple of years behind where I think everybody else in the NFC East is. So I would say the Eagles, far and away, they had the best draft to me. But I'll also say that the Baltimore Ravens had a really, really good draft. Every single time they brought up their pick, I kept thinking of that uh, uh, Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. The, the meme, it's like, yeah, I can't keep getting away with this. It seems like the Ravens, they always get these guys that fall them. They got Kyle Hamilton, 
who was at one point in time being talked about as the number one overall pick in this draft. And they got him in the middle of the first round. Linderbaum, they got the center. They got uh, the kid out of Michigan who fell because of the, uh, the leg injury. They just stockpiled all of these guys that you just know are going to be impact players on that defense because Harbaugh has a way of getting the most out of these guys. Look at what he did with Lamar Jackson and fitting him into the system, or at least fitting the system around Lamar Jackson. So the Ravens, people are really high on the Eagles. They're high on the Jets, high on the Giants. I get it. The Ravens, that's kind of my other sleeper pick for best draft uh, this year. So let's placate our Chiefs fans here. Because a lot of Chiefs, a lot of people think the Chiefs were, you know, in the top five here. Dane Brugler at the Athletic, he does a phenomenal job. He has Kansas City ranked number two. Uh, by the way, I have seven thousand thoughts about what you all just said there. But to our to our Chiefs peeps, Hill, what's up, Lucas? What's up, Gonzo? Where where do you rank Kansas City? It, it seems like, uh, uh, although by the way, some people think, uh, and I don't, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I like to live in the honest world here. I'm, and and neither neither do they. But I'm not going to be out here on a limb saying that Kyler Gordon is better than Trent McDuffie, the two corners from Washington. But some people think that the Bears got the better corner of the two. But what do you think of Kansas City's draft? I mean, Kansas City's in an interesting spot because they're it, it's not as though they're rebuilding. But when you lose Tyree Kill and you lose some of the pieces that you had on offense, and the way that the rest of the AFC, specifically the AFC West, went on this you know this arms race to try and catch up to the Chiefs. They, I know we're going to talk about the Buccaneers later, another Super Bowl contender, but they, more so than some of the other Super Bowl contenders, really needed to find, fill some holes uh, around the roster with what they were doing. And, you know, Trent McDuffie, cornerback, you know, the kid out of Purdue, the defensive end, they went defensive heavy in that first round, or really throughout the whole draft, because that was the weak spot last year. That was kind of the, the hole in the whole plan, was the defense wasn't where it needed to be. And, you know, I'm not going to do my my Matt Verderam impression, but I did watch the AFC Championship game with him the year that the uh, Patriots went down the field in overtime to win. And that is as mad as I've ever seen anybody be at a defense that he has no control over. And I saw glimpses of that last year and from other Chiefs fans about how just atrocious that defense was playing down the stretch. And then they kind of turned it around in the second half, all that kind of stuff. But the Chiefs draft, that's something that I think they needed to go out and fill some holes. And I, I, I like what they did in the first round. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, Kansas City, feel good about where you're at. It's been a very interesting offseason. Tyreek, of course, at the top of that. But uh, you know what? I, I think you're going to be okay. I, I, the arms race, if you look at the, the betting odds and Hill's coming up here, so uh, Vegas uh, likes the Bills right now. I think everybody likes Buffalo. But I, I wouldn't be freaking out about uh, – uh, uh, where Kansas City's at. By the way, I just want everybody to know here because this is an honest show. I'm having a major freaking <laughs> back spasm right now, and just I mean I'm getting shooting pain all over the facts, and I'm just playing through like this is an NFL football game right now. Uh, apparently, I was I don't know if it's the tennis game last night. Maybe not drinking enough water, but I'm in a full battle situation, Hill. So just know that. Um, well, I'll, yes. I'll say this then. I'll, I'll take it from you, so you can you can relax the back for a second. But Sky Moore. And Justin Ross, those are two very sneaky picks that I think are going to turn out really well for the Chiefs. Look at how many times Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, when he was in New England, were given just guys, it seemed. They weren't like first-round picks. There we go. 
Oh, are we cracking a cold one here in the morning, Car? I, I mean, I don't know what the play is. Hunter just gave me this. Um, we got a busy day. I'm going to go water, but I might actually crack the ultra. Keep going. Do it. No, crack it open. Crack it open because I think if we're comparing Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers with what they were doing with just basically a bunch of guys from the draft, you know, undrafted free agents, guys that we were bringing in, in free agency that weren't top tier guys, and they made the most out of it. Like Marquez, uh, Scully, uh, you know, uh, Equimenia St. Brown, MSV from, uh, you know, Green Bay. These are guys that Aaron Rodgers turned into legitimate weapons. I love you just taking that pull right there. That's great. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's helping here, but I'm just going to just trust the gods here that uh, I should have a Michelob Ultra. I love it. But those are two guys. Those are two Chiefs guys. I think if we're thinking about Patrick Mahomes and what he can do when he is just given these pieces, we see what he can do with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, these all pro type guys. I think we're now going to see what we saw out of Rodgers, what we saw out of Brady out of Mahomes with guys like, you know, Ross and Sky Moore who come in and they're able to fill the gap. That's, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Mahomes does here. And I'm also just dying at the chat. Everybody is appreciating you just taking polls here at <laughs> what, 11.10 Central Time. A man of the people. I, I love listen. it. I, I sat down before the show and I'm like, you don't have any water. That's, you know, in case you, you know, you, you'd always want to have something to drink in case the old cough comes along. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And then it just started like moving around here. And this happens about once a month for me because I'm an elite athlete and um, big win on the court last night for the record, uh, whoever the hell I beat. And uh, apparently just getting old and need to do more yoga. All right, let me, let me recenter here. Uh, and I, listen, I want to go back to where we started the show and you awarding the Eagles, I, I, the whole wide receiver market's been so crazy. Mm-hmm. And so here, here's a guy who loves being in Tennessee, wants to stay there, wants to get his flowers. The Titans are, no, we're, we're not paying you, and so we're going to send you to your buddy. You get to play with Jalen Hurts, who tried to recruit him at Alabama back in the day, ends up saying no to his friend, goes to Ole Miss, and then ultimately they end up together in the NFL. Uh, do we think the Titans made a mistake here? You now you're, you go out, you draft Malik Willis. I mean, I guess that has nothing to do with anything, but you're, you know, quarterbacks like people to throw to. Uh, but I also think like the receiver market at some point to me feels like it will reset, and giving him twenty five mil uh, is a lot of dough, man. So I, I don't know where you come out on all this, but I'm, I'm trying to like get some grounding to what's happened receiver-wise across the NFL right now. I mean, it's a pretty seismic thing with what happened with A.J. Brown. And look, yes, the market's going to normalize at some point, but it's not going to normalize this offseason, and this is when they needed to pay A.J. Brown. So they were kind of boxed in what they could do, and they needed to trade him away. And look, they got a first-round pick for him, and that's that's huge. That's something that you need to do. If you're going to trade A.J. Brown, you can't trade him and get like a second-round pick. Or a third round pick. You got to get maximum value from him. They got the 18th overall pick for him. And that's, I would say, that's pretty good value. And you don't have to pay the guy 20 plus million dollars. You know, look, it, I'm really interested in seeing how these free agency or these uh, wide receiver uh, contracts play out once free agency starts coming up in a couple of years, where it's Tyreek Hill got quarterback money, Devontae Adams got quarterback money, and now AJ Brown got quarterback money. Those are teams that are going to have to pay their quarterbacks. You're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts. You're going to have to pay either Derek Carr again or whoever comes in to replace him. Same with Tua or whoever comes in and replaces Tua. 
the, the money has been outrageous with wide receivers. I don't fault the Titans at all for trading AJ Brown on paper. It looks awful. And that's why I think on paper, the Eagles had one of the best drafts, because if you can get AJ Brown in, if we're taking money out of it, if you can get one of the best wide receivers in football in your offense, how is that not a win? Then you start talking about the money and the down the road financials that's going to happen. We don't know. I mean, look at the Saints. The Saints have been laundering money through Taysom Hill for like a decade. I'm pretty sure Howie Roseman and these guys in Philly are going to figure out how to make the money work. You got A.J. Brown. That's really the first step there. But yeah, you're right. The the market's going to normalize at some point, and maybe some of these deals are going to look bad. And I'll just say, look, if the Eagles win a Super Bowl with A.J. Brown, it doesn't matter what they gave up or what they paid him. Of course. That's the end of the day, and that's what you're trying to go for here. If that doesn't happen... Then we're going to be looking at these deals a little bit differently. Uh, all right, let, let, let me take another left turn. There's a zillion times today, but let's go to New England and Bill Belichick going with Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. Everyone in the NFL had this dude going in the third round, you know, highest, just just basically shocked the world. Cole yeah. Strange, and like, there's. I appreciate if you overdraft somebody and you get it right, then kudos to you, I guess. But the the win win there is you trade out of the pick, you get whatever value you get, and then you still get your guy. So I, I just don't understand. Like, I, like if you're the smartest guy in the room, which Bill Belichick certainly could lay claim to, that's cool. But the smartest guy in the room, you also add value on at the same time. Like I, we don't, nobody knows obviously if Cole Strange is going to be good or not. But like that to me is just like straight bizarre. And like you, like you're just you don't understand how a draft works, which seems really weird to me when you're 70 years old. You've been in the NFL forever. Thoughts? I'll stop talking. I- I think that Bill Belichick's going to do what Bill Belichick wants to do. And he's done this since 2000 and it's worked out pretty well. He's had some draft misses, but everybody has draft misses. There's no, not every single draft class is in, you know, an A1 hit. Belichick's misses have been pretty significant, but they've been significantly bad at the wide receiver position. He hasn't really missed in some of the other areas where he's built this team. And also he does not care about how drafts traditionally work. This is a guy who doesn't care how football traditionally works. He basically reinvented the way that the game has approached throughout the Patriots dynasty. So we're not going to look at him and go, oh, you need to do it the way that it's always been done. He's going to do it quite literally the Patriot way. He's going to go out and he's going to find the guys that he thinks fits his system, personality and character fits that are going to fit in that locker room, guys who are going to mold into the system, not something that you have to mold the system around. And I think that you know, Cole Strange is one of those guys. It's hilarious to us because he's overdrafting him by a significant margin. But then again, this also looks like, and not the Cole Strange pick, but the Patriots in general, look like they're on the other side of kind of the, the tumultuous post-Brady breakup year where it was nasty. You know, the Patriots dynasty's dead. The empire has fallen. Look at what they did last year with Mac Jones. Bill Belichick, if there is one coach in all of the NFL that I'm going to bet all of my money on, he's going to be able to figure out a way to make something work and to bounce back, it's Bill Belichick. And this Cole Strange pick, this might be something we're looking back at in a couple of years and going, turns out it wasn't that big of a deal because guess who just won the Super Bowl again? Bill Belichick. And he did it with Mac Jones and he did it with Cole Strange and he did it with all of these other guys. He does it his own way. 
And that's why he's won so many Super Bowls and he's the greatest coach of all time. I mean, it's hard to fault it. Easy to laugh at it, hard to fault it. So I just want to take a run at him, which would be... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, listen... I mean, I can I can look back in time and, and go through the Cleveland years and, and see what that was. And then I can go to present day and see Tom Brady winning Super Bowls in, in Tampa. And, and I could see the Patriots playing uh, a borderline archaic level of football. And it was just, it's, it's great. You got to the playoffs. You went 10 and 7. You made Mac Jones a credible quarterback. I do wonder, too, if all the QBs had been there, if they were selecting one last year. Would he have taken Mac Jones? I'm just it, – it's like you, you don't think so. Because no, I mean I, that was the it, argument. When everybody was talking about, oh, Mac Jones, rookie of the year, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, if Justin Fields was in New England last year, I think we're looking at Justin Fields in an entirely different way. We might be talking about Justin Fields more than we're talking about Mac Jones right now. I'm like, oh, wow, this guy is the successor to Tom Brady. Belichick hit, you know, diamond in the rough with this guy. This is awesome. It's all circumstantial. You know, if Justin Fields had, and you know, if, if Tom Brady had ended up in Arizona and not in New England, entirely different sliding doors scenario. So no, I don't think that he takes Mac Jones number one overall. I think maybe he goes Justin Fields, maybe Trey Lance, but he drafted Mac Jones and he made it work. They went to the playoffs with Mac Jones. And that's the point. It doesn't really matter who Bill Belichick drafts. If Bill Belichick likes a guy and thinks he fits into his system, He's going to make it work. And he did with Mac Jones to the point where we were fawning over him and going, I can't believe, you know, all of these teams passed on Mac Jones in the first round. That's the Bill Belichick effect. And that's why we can laugh at the cool, strange thing. But it's also the proof is in the pudding with this guy. Okay. All right. We'll move on from Bill. I I look forward to this ending in a bad way, uh, which is definitely on the table. Hey, uh, and by the way, you mentioned Justin Fields. Just looking at this draft. Garrett Wilson goes 10 to the Jets. Uh, great pick. Chris Olave, I'm not as sold on, but 11th to the Saints. And then Jamison Williams, Alabama v. Ohio State. That's three wide receivers. Uh, back, 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 10, 11, 12. I'm just saying, when you have that level of talent that you're throwing to, it helps you make look you know look better on the football field. So I, I just I think that's – and also, you know, to the Belichick point that you're making – yeah, Ryan Pace doesn't have that pedigree. So whether they got whether they got it right, I, I, it's 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 very much up in the air in Chicago. All right, let's go let's let's go off the draft for just one second here because uh, the big news yesterday in the NFL: DeAndre Hopkins uh, testing positive for PEDs, six game suspension. He's out with the power tweet today, saying, "I have no idea how that got in my body." Here's a guy who's you know gone about his business the right way, but however, lots of injuries piling up, people get panicked, so. To you, Hill, and to the chat, are we giving DeAndre the benefit of the doubt that he did nothing wrong and that this was just a weird thing that somehow popped up in the system? I mean, that's the excuse every guy says when they get popped for That's pain. right. They all every say Every single it. baseball player who ever tested positive for steroids, it's like, I don't know how that got into my body. The irony with DeAndre Hopkins is he's the guy who refused to get the COVID shot and retired like for three seconds because right. he's like, I can't do this. 
And now he's like, I don't know how this got into my body. I'm sorry. I thought that the whole reason you weren't getting the COVID shot initially was because you were so careful about what you were putting in your body and you didn't want to put the wrong thing in there. Now, all of a sudden, you don't know how this got in there. It's just, you know, that's the that's the comical part of the side to me. But no, I mean, look, anytime anybody says they don't know how this got in their body, just own it. You took steroids. You took PEDs. You're not the only guy in the NFL taking them. Just what? Hand it. You got suspended. They're not banning him for life. At this point, there's nothing to gain from saying, I didn't do this. This was a mistake. You know, I don't know how this happened. It's like, dude, you did this. Just own it. You got suspended. We're going to forget about this when you're putting up stats again when you come back. Just own it. Uh, see, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm all about honesty and being transparent. I don't know if you can own that one. Yeah, I, you know, I, I freaked out. I mean, you could do it that way. I, I got nervous about my health and I, and I, and I skipped ahead with some steps out of uh, fear that my career would be over. I realize now uh, outside of just getting caught that this is against the integrity that I want to live with. So I'm going to take my suspension. I'm going to be honest with you and I promise that I will do better and I'm going to be working uh, with a coach as to how I came up to make that decision. That that actually would go over fine if he said that. Uh, but that's a tough one to own. Hey, dude, I cheated. Yeah, I thought my career was over. I want to make a lot more money before I retire to the islands. Uh, you know. Or I, I, just say, look, I'm doing everything that I can do to be in the maximum prime athletic shape that I can be in to win football games and to be at the top of my profession, and I went too far. I'm sorry. Hand up. My mistake. I got busted for it. I'm just trying to be the best that I can and take every single advantage that I can. And that's, you know, just say that. Like, what's wrong with that? Instead of trying to skirt around it and going, I don't know how this happened. Somebody screwed up. Somebody gave me the wrong, you know, dosage of something. It's like, come on. That is such a lazy excuse, and everybody always uses it. And what, like, it didn't work for the last guy. So what does DeAndre Hopkins think that he's special? And this is all of a sudden we're going to go, oh, my God, he didn't know what he was. This is a horrible mistake. We need to petition the NFL, overturn the suspension. This is a violation of every single sanctity of the football world. Like, no, come on. It didn't work for anybody else. It's not going to work for you. Just own it. Be the first to do something else. Don't be the next guy to do the same thing everybody else does. Well, OJ is still looking for the killers, so uh, there's there's that. Uh, <laughs> I would pivot from PEDs. This <laughs> is a slightly different level. Uh, I, Lucas, I like your comment. It's equivalent yep. to my dog ate my homework. Yeah, uh, that that that's it's sure. Uh, but hey, he'll be back, and Cardinals fans will be thrilled when he catches his first ball uh, from Kyler Murray this year. So, yeah, that's another thing. Do do like do football fans even care? Honestly. No. Like zero, yeah. like zero percent care. Zero percent care. He yeah. t- he took PEDs. Big deal. Like yeah. everybody does it, and that it's against the rules. He should be suspended. But like he, we need to stop acting like somebody getting popped for steroids is somehow this great affront. It's like it happens. If you, we want to cut back on it, regulate it more as a league. But I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is doing DeAndre Hopkins. He got busted. Uh, Own it. Move on. Nobody's gonna care about this in a year. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. 
And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. All right, back to the draft we go, and let's look at the rookie quarterbacks. I was, I've never been more wrong about anything in my life. I'm like, I, I don't believe it. Everybody needs a quarterback. I, I literally said on this very show, and I should, and this is, a, this, is a, this is a thing for DeAndre Hopkins right here. I said on this show, that five, not four, not three, five quarterbacks would be drafted in the first round. And uh, and I also, of course, believed that Malik Willis was going to Pittsburgh. And then here comes the Kenny Pickett pick. Congratulations on uh, getting everybody leaning one way with uh, what we thought Mike Tomlin was going to do. But so Kenny's got a great chance to play this year, even though Trubisky is going to get the first shot at it. But you can look around. Desmond Ritter, Atlanta, Atlanta. Uh, Marcus Mariota is going to stay healthy. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, you ended up the season giving away a playoff game. Maybe even Malik Willis can get on the field. I don't know if you want to go off the ball or all the way to Matt Corral. Who do you think has not only the, the best career of the quarterbacks? Let's make a bet here on Stack of the Box. Best career, and but let's start with who do you think has the biggest impact year one? Uh <clears throat> If any, by the way, you could say like the biggest impact year one. I don't think any of them have a big impact in year one. I think if we're talking about playing time in year one, Desmond Ritter's in the best position to do that because I mean, we talked about this last time I was on and Heisler was on. And we kind of agreed with this. The Falcons are in a weird existential nihilistic position where this next season does not matter to them at all. It's dust in the wind, tears in the rain. It's going to be forgotten. And Marcus Mariota is not the quarterback of the future. So we're going to have fun, especially with Drake London coming to town with Kyle Pitts. That offense is going to have a little bit of time to settle in and figure itself out. Marcus Mariota is going to have some fun. But there's nothing to say Desmond Ritter can't come in in the middle of the season and try things out, see what you've got. And if he's not there yet, there's absolutely no problem in just pulling him back and going, look, he's not ready yet. We saw, We tried to see what we had. He's not where we need him to be. Pull him back. No harm, no foul. He's the guy who's probably going to get the most playing time just because he's in that position. Uh, I would say that overall the best career, it's hard to bet against Kenny Pickett just because, and I know we've talked a lot about system versus player so far in in this podcast, but he fits into a system that historically has been tremendously successful. Like, look, I know Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer, so we're not going apples to apples there because Kenny Pick has not taken a uh, snap in the NFL yet. But look at the system that was built there. And look at the pieces that have left Pittsburgh and how tumultuous that's been and how we look now at Pittsburgh even higher, looking at what Mike Thomas been able to do in that locker room. Antonio Brown leaves off the rails, completely in another universe. Even Le'Veon Bell left. And it's like, okay, this guy was never the same that he was in Pittsburgh. That, to me, says that this system is in a position where you can put in Kenny Pickett, you can get him to learn the ropes, and now he's the guy who can start building something there, this next era in Steelers football. And that has a lot to do with just the foundation that's around him with Tomlin and what everything has been put in place. The defense is still good. You've got pieces on offense. Now Pickett can kind of fit into that, and he's in the best position to have the best career out of all of these guys. And I hope that they go with Trubisky for most of the first season because there's no reason to rush him into this. Let him sit, let him look, let Mitchell Trubisky go have some fun. Let Mitchell Trubisky kind of have his redemption. 
And then you, you're having Kenny Pickett watch that and absorb the Steelers' culture into his DNA so that in a year he's able to take over that role and he's the guy. He's not just a rookie coming in. He's truly the next Steelers quarterback. I mean, the safe bet here is to say that the Steelers got it wrong, that one of the other quarterbacks is going to go out and have a better career because we're all guessing if we just go by math that one of them, Ritter, Willis, Corral, somebody will do better. Uh, but do you think they got it right? Because, I mean, yeah, you really do. See, I like I the big – Who's got the highest upside? Is it not Willis? Is it not very clear that if Malik Willis actually hits, he is going to have the best career and could be a game changer for you? Now, why, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, when you can always get a serviceable quarterback, there's always a Jimmy Garoppolo hanging around. You want to go get Baker Mayfield, he's sitting there. Why not take the swing at the guy who can actually hit the home run? I, I don't, the, that, that philosophy to me feels off. Well, the Steelers weren't the only team that passed on Malik Willis more than one time. Like Malik Willis plummeted in the draft, and I'm not entirely sure what that's all about. I I won't say that Malik Willis doesn't have tremendous upside. Like he does, clearly. He's drafted into the NFL. Like he's an NFL quarterback now. There's a baseline of potential that you need to have to get to that level. You're looking at the different circumstances that he's in, though. He's in Tennessee, and Ryan Tannehill did not have a particularly great year last year without Arthur Smith. What's that system like? Look at Marcus Mariota, who was the number two overall pick, very similar to Malik Willis. He didn't have the type of career, the type of game-changing career that we thought that he was going to have. Now, different circumstances in Tennessee, but again, it's all about the circumstances. If I think if you put Malik Willis in Pittsburgh, he's definitely in the best position to succeed. So there's the upside. There's more there. I think You have to trust what Mike Tomlin, what Kevin Colbert, what all of the Steelers scouts and front office members were looking at with Kenny Pickett and trust it because they have that track record. They haven't had a losing season in like over a decade for a reason. And that's because they're very smart and meticulous at what they do. And this is the next line in that. Now, if if Kenny Pickett's a bust, then they're wrong. But you can't bet against the Steelers until they give you a reason to do it because the track record's just there. Yeah, no, it, it's it's that's a fair comment, Carm. You think you know more than Steelers? Yeah, have you lost your mind? I'm still, but I'm, but I'm just speaking of philosophies out there. Go, go for, go for the dude with the home run at, and and the quarterback spot, especially when you're 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 not. I don't know what Kenny Pickett's ceiling is, but it, it it's I like it. I it doesn't. I really hope Malik Willis becomes one of the best quarterbacks of this next generation. I don't think anybody should be rooting against a quarterback succeeding and being one of those guys. Quarterbacks, that's one of the most impressive, sexiest jobs in the entire universe. You shouldn't root against somebody being bad at that. So, you know, I'm not saying Malik Willis is going to be a bust or anything like that. I'm saying he's not in the best position. He's not in the position Kenny Pickett was. And if he was, well, we'd be having a different conversation. But it's like we were saying about, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. It's just not the way that the cards got handed out, so we're going to have to deal it and see what happens. Where does this gig rank in sexy gigs? Let's uh, bring in another sexy man right here, Stack in the Box podcast. Very sexy gig. Very sexy gambling. Very (laughs) sexy man. Ben Heisler, managing editor, bet-sided, always ready to play. 
Heist, uh, before we get into uh, our offensive rookie and defensive rookie of the year plays here, yeah. what uh, what did you like? What did you not like? What surprised you? Give a little recap of your uh, the draft from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was initially surprising watching, sort of to piggyback off this conversation, just how far a lot of these quarterbacks fell. I, I thought a few um, ended up in, in really intriguing situations. One One guy that I think from an upside perspective, because I heard your conversation, Carm, coming on in, that if you are looking upside, like why not take that risk? If you're Pittsburgh, you wanted Malik Willis. If you're trusting Pickett over him, the higher upside play is clearly Willis. So why didn't you go in that direction? I think Sam Howell in Washington is a really, really interesting play. He's got good size, really, really good, probably one of the best quarterbacks in this draft at breaking tackles. Um, you know, it's funny. I, like, I think a lot of the scouting reports that I've seen on Howell kind of remind me of Carson Wentz. Um, but the difference is that like once you've already seen that very, very high ceiling versus several years down the road, a lot of injuries, a lot of frustrations with how he was able to, to keep the locker room together. I almost wonder if Washington kind of knew something there, knew that this is somebody that's got a strong arm, very elusive in the pocket, can can make plays downfield. Um, and they have somebody in Wentz that he can kind of study from and learn from without some of the other stuff that's come along the way. I, I do think there's upside there with Sam Howell going in the fifth round. And then I, I think the Saints was interesting going to trade up uh, to, to get Chris Olave when Jameson Williams is still on the board. And it forced the Lions that were sitting back at pick 32 to then go and make a deal with a team in their division in Minnesota. Um, I, Josh, I know that you got uh, your thoughts on, on Minnesota, even though Tampa Bay is your team. But I, I thought the Vikings got a great deal for that pick, even though I thought Williams could have made sense for them too. So watching Williams fall a little bit when I think he's the clear-cut number one wide receiver in this class certainly surprised me. But, I mean, Carp, you could have gone all different directions. This is a fascinating draft to begin with. It's interesting that you say that about the Vikings because a lot of people thought that Minnesota didn't get enough and were just like, what are you doing trading in the division? Uh, you passed on Kyle Hamilton? I don't know. Um, that was it was a an interesting way that the Vikings were looking at the draft. The Hill, you want to give me your Vikings take there before we get to your Bucks, and then we'll get Ben's. Ben's going to make everybody a ton of dough today, as he always does. Damn it! Well, all of my Vikings fans, our friends and family fans, were uh, melting down when the Vikings <laughs> kept trading back. Specifically, the one that hurt the most, and it was just from the optics standpoint, was the the Packers finally traded up to get Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver after all these years of us killing them for not getting a wide receiver. And it was the Vikings that helped them do it. That was just the irony there was, it was fascinating to me, but it killed my, my, my family and friends who root for the Vikings. But look, the Vikings, they still got a safety at 32. He's not Kyle Hamilton, but they got their safety, the kid out of Georgia. And they also essentially got, I don't know how you want to value it, but two late first round picks or two early second round picks getting 32 and 34 from the Lions. So there was good value there. It's the optics of the Vikings trading out of that pick and the optics of the Vikings helping teams in their division that is just really killing all the fans that had hopes that this next era, look, they got rid of Zimmer, they got rid of Spielman. This next era was supposed to be the start of something. And they drafted guys who it feels like Mike Zimmer would have drafted. They made interestingly weird decisions in trading back with the Lions, trading back with the Packers. I don't think that the Vikings draft class is that bad. It's the optics of fans are just expecting so much that to see them do that. And then also to, to Ben's point, you know, Jamison Williams is still on the board. 
imagine putting him with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like skill positions are, it's the, you know, we talk about quarterbacks being a sexy position. Skill positions are the most fascinating talking points that fans have. So if you were to put Jameson Williams with Justin Jefferson for the next 10 years, I mean, Vikings fans are looking at that like Randy Moss and Chris Carter back in the late 90s. So you also traded out of that to take a guy out of Georgia who wasn't the best safety in the draft who people already have questions about. So there's a lot of frustration with Vikings fans, just how that draft went. But like all draft classes, you just kind of have to relax, let it set for a second and see how things are down the road. But initially I can definitely see why Vikings fans were upset. Cause it's like, come on, what are we doing? Especially the trade with the Packers. It's like, come on, you never do that. That is a sin, an unforgivable sin. The, the only thing that I can think of, sorry to, to, to cut you off, Carm, is that if you're Minnesota, Right, because they were one of the teams that we thought maybe there was an opportunity to find like a quarterback early on. Like, if you know Cousins isn't coming back next year, if you don't believe Kellen Mond is the answer, preserving that type of draft capital would have been a way for them to perhaps use that to move up the following year. But instead, you know, I, I thought they'd try and turn it around for future picks. But maybe that telegraphs their move a little bit more. I, I still think Minnesota down the road is going to be one of those teams in a very good quarterback class next year um, that goes and gets their guy for the future to replace mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins. But for now, yes, I suppose it was a little bit questionable. But if you have the perspective, I, I don't ever mind trading down in a draft. Like, Karim, Ryan Poles, curious to get, curious to get your, your perspective there for, for Chicago and, and from the, the Windy City perspective. Um but on day three, when those are pretty much lottery tickets to begin with, go and get as many tickets as you can find, and one of them is going to scratch off and perhaps be a winner for you. So I didn't mind that perspective at all. Early on in the draft, it hurts more, like you said, Josh, because the fan base knows more names. They know the skill position in Williams, and that's going to hurt feeling that could have been a dude on our team. That could have really helped this offense take off. But if the Vikings don't believe they're winning the Super Bowl this year anyway, maybe it was the right move long term. We lose Carm. Uh-oh. You did, might have lost did, we, did, we free, did we freeze him into uh into the universe, Josh? Did we did Carm I completely... is just, he's so nervous about the Bears that he just he's frozen in time. He wants to remember this. He wants to remember the hope that the future presents. He doesn't want to actually go into it and see how this all plays out. <laughs> which which is which is adorable, if true, because I don't think Bears fans have felt actual legitimate real hope in, in God knows how many years. Right? Like <laughs> We're st- whenever you're an organization that's still talking about Sid Luckman as the greatest quarterback <laughs> in your franchise history uh, before the Super Bowl era was was even in existence, um, that that's probably not a good sign for for any sort of hope. Carm, we got you back. Uh, we we were worried that we we froze you just because of the Chicago Bears conversation. You're muted, my friend. Oh no, you're muted. This is and Carm's and, also and, and, Carm's no, on the frozen. other side of the wall from me too. So the fact that he's able, he's just in another universe right now is is fascinating to me. Still muted. Still muted, Carm. Oh, Carm. And, and he's gone. All right. Well, um, I, I know, Josh, you, you wanted to, uh, to talk a little bit of uh, offensive and, and defensive rookie of the year candidates. Um, WinBet does not have them up as of now, unfortunately. I would imagine that they'll be up soon. But from a consensus level, and then just kind of taking a look at the board, um, you would think initially because of how the MVP award works that it's going to be a quarterback every year. Mm-hmm. But the reality of Offensive Rookie of the Year is that unless you're having an 
outstanding rookie campaign. Um, it's not always the quarterback, even though the odds are likely going to dictate that. So Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray uh, won it in two of the last three years. Jamar Chase, obviously, the year before. But a lot of us thought in the second half it was going to go to Mac Jones. Then running backs, Saquon Barkley in 2018, Alvin Kamara in 2017, Todd Gurley in 2015, Eddie Lacy. Remember that old Eddie Lacy in 2014? I, I think you have an, a nice mix of potential candidates as well as some intriguing value. Um, but if I had to, to have you guess right now on the consensus board, who would be the favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year? Who would you guess it would be? My, my, I mean, my guess would be Jameson Williams, just because what we've been talking about and how he was the guy who had a lot of upside. He fell in the draft. You could see him kind of being the guy where the Lions are trying to establish this new culture, the Dan Campbell culture, and Jameson Williams really embracing that. And not quite to the extent that the Falcons have this nihilistic approach this season where it's a tear in the rain and it doesn't matter. But Jared Goff, is a, he's, he's been backed into a corner. He needs to have a really good year. And I think Jameson Williams might be a guy that he can lean on and go, look, this is my deep threat. This is my guy. We're going with him. And that's really going to boost him. The same way that Demonte Smith last year looked really good at times. I don't know another Alabama wide receiver. Jameson Williams would be the guy that, that I want to bet on. But for, the, for pure chaos, for pure chaos, I want somebody like Evan Neal or Icky to win it. Give it to an offensive lineman. Give the big guy the award. Let's go. He's up there in the trenches. Let's give him the Rookie of the Year award. Well, if, if that ends up being the case and you were to go ahead and, and jump on one of these consensus odds, you could get Iki Aquano and Evan Neal at 100 to 1 at most sports books right now. So throw on five bucks, throw on 10 bucks, uh, and basically you can watch your money evaporate, but at least you'd have a fairly compelling rooting interest over the course of the season. Uh, believe it or not, the favorite is Kenny Pickett. Um, right now, anywhere between uh, five to one at some sports books, six to one, I, I've seen as high as eight to one at a few across the board. Um, they, Ozmakers are fully on em, embracing the fact that he's probably going to take over for Mitchell Trubisky, which I would find to be very, very surprising. Now, again, I don't know if it's just the nature of the fact that it's a first round pick and there's going to be more pressure for him to start. Um, but to me, that's just not good value at all. Um, unless Pittsburgh fully embraces a rebuild. But like you said, Josh, Steelers haven't had a losing season since I think 2007. Mm -hmm. I, to me, this just does not feel like a good value on the board at all with Kenny Pickett. No. And I think you can, I, there we go. I, I think you can hear me. Yeah. I, I, I get the Pickett play where listen, he's going to be on the field. People, people predict that and Trubisky sucks. So, and the hometown guy, Tomlin's great. He'll recognize what's going on. And, He's going to have an opportunity as the quarterback. So, like, it's easiest position to win it from. I, I get it. I also think it speaks to the level of production that people are expecting this year, which ain't much, right? I mean, so, I, I, by the way, I wouldn't make that bet at all. I, that's, yeah. that, that's not a play I'd make. The counter to that, Carm, is that are we really going to go ahead and trust in what was considered to be the worst quarterback class in years go with a quarterback to have the most productive season as a rookie to me like there's those they're, they're two conflicting points they don't add up together I, I think a couple guys that i do have interest in that i do think are, are, are intriguing names josh brought up jameson williams he's down at 12 to 1 um instantly becomes the lions best weapon on offense 
um, they're going to be a little bit more vertical this year because they have somebody like Williams to stretch the field. Um, so I, I do think he's in play, especially if you believe his health is going to be fully in effect. Um, you know, I, I think somebody like um, Sky Moore in Kansas City, how are they going to use him most effectively? He's coming in at 10 to 1 this year. Um, they know what role he can be. And even for somebody like Tyree Kill, when he was there, if you believe he's going to take on that role, he may not lead all receivers in receptions. Like Jalen Waddle did that last year, but but wasn't close to Jamar Chase in rookie of the year voting. Um, it's how they use him. You know, how many touchdowns he's able to get. Uh, yards after catch is, is something interesting as well. Um, and then I think if you're looking for maybe a, a bit of a, a, an upside pick, uh, Damian Pierce is probably going to be the the Houston Texans number one running back. Um, like that's the guy that there, there's really no competition there uh, for him to be able to go up and, and, and get it. Like this is a, a mid round pick. Uh, they project him as a three down back. He's 40 to one and car before, before you ended up getting off for a second. Um, Running backs have won this award a handful of times over the last 10 years. I think three times running backs have won it. Um, so if you're talking about a three down back in a Lovey Smith system where you're probably going to run the ball, where you're going to try and get points and takeaways with your defense, I think he's somebody that's very much in play, even if the Texans aren't very good. I love that call. I, right now, I, you literally got me motivated to open up my one of my many accounts that uh, I... <laughs> I do the. That's, I, that's the play. Yeah. Okay. That's the play. And I. I uh, what's his name again? Thank you very much. Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. I am in on Damian Pierce. You heard it here on Stack in the Box. That's why you want to check out Heisler every eleven thirty. Damian Pierce for forty to one. That feels like it's well worth ten bucks, or depending on your financial standing in life, throw 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 a hundred on there and live the live the dream of four thousand dollars coming your way in about I don't know six months. That would be an amazing moment, and then you could thank Stack in the Box. And, and give a donation to the Stacking the Box Foundation Fund that uh, will send Ben Heisler a new TV that's not plasma from 2004. No, that, I, that, that's no. the question. Your 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 bet. You when this cashes, when this ticket cashes, Carm, how many plasma TVs can you buy with your winnings? <laughs> I, I'm gonna get uh, some new internet and um, some some other plays here. But I, I like I like the way you're thinking over there, Heist. What about, do we do defensive side of the ball? I don't think we did. I have not done defensive player of the year yet. I, I think the clear favorite, and it makes sense, is Aiden Hutchinson. He's plus 450, plus 500 from a consensus level. Don't do it. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, I, I get the urgency to go after a guy that's going to get after the quarterback, especially in New York. Um, the narrative probably adds up there. Um, I'm probably staying away from Trayvon Walker. I think he's still a project for Jacksonville. Remember, like they they drafted him off of the athletic profile as somebody that they think could be exceptional at the defensive end spot that can play both the run in the past and the next few years. But I just don't think he's going to have the eye-popping numbers the way that Parsons did in Dallas a season ago. Um, if you're looking for a little bit of value on the board, Kyle Hamilton who fell to Baltimore, who's going to be immediately starting and making plays for a very good secondary. Uh, he's currently listed at 8-1. to one. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr. for Houston, if he has a great rookie year, uh, that's a guy that's going to be all over the field at a very premium position at 10-1. to one. Um, And then I also wonder, too, if you're looking down a little bit further, if Matt Eberflus's Chicago Bears defense gets the takeaways that they are looking for, um, you know, the, the former coach of Washington, Jimmy Lake, I'm trying to remember where he said this. It might've been on an interview in Chicago. He said that Kyler Gordon, the, the corner that the bears drafted in the second round 
was the most athletic corner that he's ever coached. And he coached Akib Talib. Um, he coached um, Marcus Peters at Washington. So that's incredibly high praise for a guy that's going to likely start on the other side of Jalen Johnson. So Gordon, right from the beginning, is probably not going to get the other team's number one wide receiver because Johnson's likely going to be shadowing for Chicago. I think there's going to be positive matchups. And if he projects in Eberflus' system to take the ball away, and those are numbers that voters are going to pay attention to. So 30 to one for Kyler Gordon. I really don't hate that play at all. So a little note on Kyler Gordon that was interesting. The Bears were reportedly thrilled when he ran a 4-5-2 at the Combine because they're like, there's no way that that time is accurate. He plays faster than that, and that maybe gives him a shot that he'll fall to him. And they ran their simulations in the draft, and like maybe twice out of however many that they ran that Gordon would be there. And nine offensive linemen, wide receivers flying off the board. It ended up happening. So I, that's why I like the Bears draft for the record. All right, I'm in. Kyler Gordon, 30 to 1. I love that. So that's a fun play for, for a Chicago guy right now. So, okay, I got two bets coming out of the show. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Great to see you. <laughs> ben Heisler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Hill, let's, let's wrap up with a couple quick thoughts here. And sorry for the technical difficulties on this end. I think we're back in business. Let's go Bears versus Bucks, actually, Hilda. Wrap it up. Because I'm sitting here singing the Bears' praises. Would you like to do the same for Tampa Bay? Are you happy with how uh, the Bucks went about their business here with Tom Brady back in the fold and ready to go at another Super Bowl? I am. I, I like what the Bucks did. I mentioned this at the top of the show where the Chiefs, they needed to use this draft to fill some holes, some rather significant holes if they want to get back to being that Super Bowl force that they were the last couple of years. I don't think that the Buccaneers were in a position where this draft really mattered much because it's really Tom Brady or bust next year. So you, there wasn't like you, you have the late first round pick. They ended up trading out of the first round. So you've got no real sort of need to go out and grab a top guy because this is such a short term window for this team. Everybody, the way that the contracts are structured too, they're looking at a Super Bowl this year, next year, maybe in three years. But the way that this team is built, they're not building for the future right now. They have already mortgaged that future. And they did so a year or so ago when they got Tom Brady. And they're like, we're all in to win in the next couple of years. I do like Logan Hall. I think that Logan Hall coming to town means that Jason Pierre-Paul time might be done in Tampa Bay. I like Jason Pierre-Paul. The claw had him you know, help win a Super Bowl. It was great. Logan Hall seems like a really interesting guy to have coming off the end of that defensive line. Outside of that, I mean, they drafted a punter. Like that right there tells you how the Buccaneers were approaching the draft. They don't need to take it as seriously as maybe they needed to a couple of years ago when they're trying to build around Jameis Winston and install a culture for the future. They are all in on winning a Super Bowl. And once Tom Brady leaves, that's when the reset starts next year. Heisler mentioned it when he was on, but with the Vikings going up and getting their guy next year and getting a quarterback, the next quarterback class. And then, you know, everybody's kind of looking at the Arch Manning cloud on the horizon coming that's when teams are going to go and start building their future. Teams like Tampa Bay are going to go start building their future. They don't need to do that right now. I like the draft class from the position of Logan Hall was a great pick. They traded back, didn't have to mess around with the first round, didn't mess around with too many picks, didn't have a lot of holes to fill. Let's see what this year comes up with. Because this, look, Super Bowl this year for the Bucks not going to be won or lost by a rookie. It's not going to happen. If you had drafted punt God, I, I would have been with you. <laughs> 
But instead, you're one. I forget who else was, but there were two punters taking out a punt guy, and you went for Jake Carmada, Georgia, uh, uh, right? SEC Georgia. Uh, just, just, just giving the one finger salute to punt God who there's never been a punt God before. And here come the bucks. We're drafting a punter fifth round, right? I mean, yep. was it, uh, uh, fourth round, fourth round, fourth, fourth round, pick one thirty-three. Fourth round. I mean, it's an aggressive punter selection and it wasn't even punt God. Carmada better be damn good, buddy. Well, if there's misses that the bucks had, look, I'm, I'm not investing too much emotion into the bucks draft. Cause like I said, the, the draft class is not going to heavily impact the Super Bowl this year, I don't think. It's more for the future. But passing on, you know, uh, Cook out of uh, Georgia, some of these running backs there. I know that they got the the one kid, uh, what's his name, Rashad White out of Arizona State. But looking at those sort of things, those sort of misses, they reached a little bit to get an offensive lineman because they do. If there was one hole they needed to fill, it was Ali Marpet retiring. And then I know that they got, you know, some other pieces moving around there, but it, it, you don't want to look too much at this draft class if you're a Bucks fan, because it's not going to matter in the long run. There's no home run guy. And I think that was an overall consensus of this draft and just the conversations that we've had and we had with Heisler. It's, it's not like this draft had a bunch of guys where you're going to go back into like three, four years and say, this was one of the best draft classes of all time. It's not as bad as like the 2001 NBA draft where it was like, who is that? Like Kenny Martin and like, that's it that came out of that draft class, it's not going to be that bad. But there's not a lot of high-impact guys where you're going to go back and look in a couple of years and say, man, we really missed on this guy, especially if you're the Bucks and you're like, man, I can't believe we took a punter in the fourth round and not this guy. That happens every year. You can't look at it that way. I'm not too concerned about the Bucks because the impact on the Super Bowl run that is of utmost importance, a number one goal, this draft class doesn't really impact it that much in my opinion. Whereas the Bears, I think the Bears – they're building for the future. It's much more important for the Bears to be meticulous in this draft than it is for the Bucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna fault your logic here as far as Bears versus Bucks. I think you're fine with uh, the importance of this draft for the Bucks, but taking importance out of it, whose philosophy was better? Who was more creative? Who did something that long term may impact the team more? I think you got to go with C H I C A G O, baby. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Uh, Ryan Poles, I got you, dude. 36 years old, first ever draft, calling up Kyler Gordon, getting emotional, telling him. And then uh, they drafted a gunner slash uh, running back wide receiver, Valus Jones, 25 years old, six years in College Hill. Where'd you go to school? Where did I, I go should... to school? Yes. Minnesota. Okay. I, I, I respect people who go to two schools like myself, Hartford and Iowa, and I respect you for te- extra year right here, five years. This dude went six. Everybody's knocking on him for being 25 years old. Good job, Bayless. You're coming in physically in your prime. You're ahead of the curve. I love it. Bears, Bayless. Watch out for Bayless Jones, the next Tyreek Hill. You heard it well, here for what, – What do you think about – I mean, we're talking about an offensive weapon right now, but it seemed like the Bears – draft was very defensive focused right best player on the board justin fields is the franchise like look at that you have to build around him so it feels like at least from an outside perspective that it's just going to be another year of justin fields getting kind of thrown to the wolves and you figure it out with the new guy and then we'll start building around you in the future so that's i mean does that make you nervous at all so many so many needs bear secondary atrocious uh quarterback rating against the bears 
Last year, the Bears were 32nd worst in the NFL. These nine offensive linemen, eight wide receivers, take the best value. All, all that makes sense to me. Um, and I think they also might slightly – and, like, Velas is a guy that's going to maybe you – know, quick little patterns that might make it easy for fields. Same thing with the six round running back, Tristan Ebner, who uh, is also a good receiver out of the backfield and a special teams guy. I just think they got creative. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm throwing all the flowers this way, but just I, and overall the way they went about it, I think it's right. And by the way, they also might look at it. Y'all didn't put Justin Fields in even the least bit of a position to succeed. We're going to, we're going to tweak it this way. We're going to run the West coast offense. And somehow, some way, uh, we'll we'll handle the rest of the offseason. We'll add on some pieces. I don't know. Maybe they go out and get Jarvis Landry. Maybe they. You know, every, I know they all got warts, Julio Jones warts, but maybe they do something like that. The Bears have nothing to lose. Well, uh, so. I will say, comparing it to the Buccaneers um, of past classes of the Buccaneers, guys like Mike Edwards, um, Carlton Davis. A lot of guys that came came out of college in their first couple of years, it was rough going. And I remember watching those guys being like, God, I can't believe Carlton Davis is blowing this coverage right now. Like, what is going on? And they had, you know, from a couple of draft classes before, key pieces of that Super Bowl team that prevented one of the best offenses in football history from scoring a single touchdown in a Super Bowl. So if there's upside for the Bears, and it's different circumstances. I think we're comparing apples to oranges. The Bucs are not drafting the same way that the Bears are because the Bears are 100% drafting for the future and the Buccaneers are not. But I think the kind of comparison to make is Ryan Poles, is he having those kinds of draft classes, both this one and the next ones to come, that are going to produce those guys that in two, three, four years we're looking at going, those are impact players. This guy might have frustrated me when he was coming out in that first year. I was rolling my eyes, throwing up my hands, but now he's making impact plays against the Packers or in the playoffs against, you know, the Cowboys or somebody like that. That's how you got to look at this. And, you know, it's we're too close to it to have that sort of perspective. But I think, you know, a lot of what you're saying, best player available, filling so many needs, that's the way to kind of approach this if you're a Bears fan in 2022 don't expect these guys to come out and all be rookie of the year candidates look at this maybe a couple years down the road because this is the long haul this is not going to be an instant gratification type of success right they had three picks on day three he ended up with eight and if two of them hit that's a win uh hey everybody thank you so much for hanging in there and with us all show and uh we uh we'll see you next week verderam will be back congrats to everybody and putting their best foot forward, however they did it, even if it was a misstep into your NFL draft. Chiefs, strong, interesting day. And uh, hey, New York Jets, you you're never you are never given the love as the team that did beautifully on the draft. But this year, a lot of people loving your draft. Uh, yours truly included. So congrats to the Jets, 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 Jets. Stag in the box, eleven a.m. every. Tuesday. Hit that subscribe button, turn those notifications on, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't 
win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.